Welcome. What is at everyone's mind these days is the economy and the impending crisis, the inflation, the rise in energy. Everyone is worried. So we need someone here to explain us what is happening and someone who we can trust that they will start from a point of view of sane economics and having at heart freedom and individual uh, initiative as the solution to the problems rather than more states. And who better than Barbara Kolm? Barbara is the director of the Austrian Economic Center. Austrian Economic Center is the power behind the free market Rosso, which every year brings the ideas of freedom to various places in uh, Europe. This year I was lucky enough to be part of it. I had a great time. And also though, Barbara is the vice president of the Austrian Central Bank and has experience from the banking sector. She has experience from understanding economics. So she will help us figure out what is happening. And with me today, my co-presenter uh, co is Mark. Hi, Mark, and thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me. So, Barbara, tell us a bit, first of all, about yourself. How does someone who is into the ideas of freedom also manages to get a position in a high place regarding uh, central banking? Hi, Razi. Uh, thank you for the invitation. It's good to see you again. And indeed, it has been a pleasure to have you with us at the Free Market Roadshow. And Mark, uh, great to meet you finally um, and uh, have a discussion with you. Well, you know, the thing is, uh, if you work hard, you get somewhere. And that's what uh, we libertarians have done all our lives. We roll up our sleeves and uh, we work and we never give up. We don't, um, um, we, we never forget that our mission or that the project, the free markets, a free economy, um, uh, entrepreneurial and individual freedom is, uh, is a very high and a, a value that needs constantly to be um, defended and uh, supported. So but we need to do both, defend the, and support. And the obvious question here that someone would ask though is, can actually one make a difference from the inside? Because many people are pessimistic to the point where they say, oh, it doesn't make any difference. You're gonna get absorbed by the system. Look what happened with Alan Greenspan, for example. So are you confident and optimist that a, a libertarian or a free market oriented person can make a difference from within the system? Yes, of course. And we have to, you know, criticizing alone is not enough. You really need to go there and do the structural reforms. You, nearly, you really need to follow those ideas that we are working for that we believe in and you have to put them in reality otherwise you will not get anywhere and you know there is a spark of hope everywhere and you know we just finally um, uh, rose the interest rates at the European Central Bank and trust me it has been a hard it has been hard work for those so-called uh, people who uh, are no pigeons and no doves, uh, who are really hawkish and who wanted to have interest rates risen already long time before. And finally, we have achieved it. But it's, of course, it's very late and it's not enough. 
uh, but it is a, it's a single step and there will be many more to go in order to go back on track again. And you must not forget, we've had 10 years of negative interest rates in Europe at the, at the European Central Bank level. So this is something where we constantly need to focus. We were also not in favor of the PEP programs and the APP, the uh, pandemic uh, emergency purchasing programs and um, the old programs that were established after the European stability mechanism has been established in 2012, 2013. So those asset purchasing programs, and we were not, a we were not in favor, but you know, if you don't speak up within the circles, you will not be heard. And uh, that's why I think it's important that uh, people like you and others are, in, are getting involved and are rolling up the sleeves and are stepping on other people's toes. Good. To changes. I have questions also about Austria because in, uh, in Austria, Austrian economic school, so wondering whether Austria is still today a place where ideas of freedom are, are powerful. But I think the biggest worry at the moment for most of our viewers and definitely for myself is to understand where we are with the state of the economy. So, so Barbara, if let's say at one point, at, at one part of an axis, we have 1929. In the other part, we have 2009, 2008, 2009. So the, the big financial crisis that uh, the world has experienced in the last 100 years. Where do you think we are now? Do you think this is going to be lighter than 2009, worse comparable to, 2000, to 1929, if, an, if you could make, let's say, a prediction with your professional experience and your knowledge, where would you say we are heading? Well, first of all, I'm an Austrian economist. I don't make predictions. There is no such thing as full information and we are humble. In, remember Hayek's uh, quote from or his, his talk when he was awarded the Nobel Prize in 1974, when he said the, the pretense of knowledge in society. So we can only learn from facts and analyze data and then adapt them to, current, to the current situation. So having said that, I would say if we look at the numbers and figures and let's just compare the APP programs and the PEP programs and what has happened after 2008 and what has happened after or during COVID. The amount of money that has been put into circulation is extremely higher than it was 2012. So in 2012, uh, the programs were 750 billion back then to save the euro. You remember the story was different. It was a sovereign debt crisis, but you as a Greek know exactly what I'm yeah, talking about. Yeah, we were at the center of it. Yeah. Exactly. And then, and, and what we have now, just for one, for the COVID thing, we had um, the ECB with 750 billion in place. We had the European Commission with 750 billion in place. And we had various financial institutions in Europe, you know, also fed in with from the European taxpayer that had additional amount of money that was put on, in place. So it was tremendously much more that was put on the table to fight the so-called COVID uh, pandemic. But after all, you know, we were fighting uh, the lockdown crisis, or they tried to fight the lockdown crisis with uh, tools or with uh, things that obviously did not work. So, you know, allowing the markets to do their job would have been probably better in the long run. 
right. I'm not so, saying that the first lockdown probably were not important, but um, when nobody knew what was going to happen. But uh, there is a difference of locking a country down for two weeks or locking it down for two, uh, for two years. So, so wait, I, I, have a, I, have a, I have a question, Barbara. Yeah. So, do, so, so is the correction going to be more severe than 2008? Well, most likely, I mean, we have kicked the can down the road for a very long time in Europe. And eventually, uh, Greek learned it the hard way, to be honest. Um, and uh, only after they had done the structural reforms, doing uh, tech, tax reforms, uh, um, labor market reforms, healthcare reforms, pension reforms, etc., etc., um, restructuring their long their their debt on a sovereign level, then they finally got out of the mess. And there are countries in Europe that have not done that. And uh, that's the issue. So the amount that we have as built as collaterals, et cetera, is much higher than it was 10, 15 years ago. So I'm tempted to ask both of you. So you're people who have worked in your life. Let's say you've put some money away in the bank. How worried are you about inflation and about that money evaporating is this a far distant scenario and is this uh, something which is very unlikely to happen or could we say look inflation might hurt you in terms of you go to the supermarket things are a bit more expensive but you have money in the bank uh, be assured that you know leave them there maybe interest rates are going to go up so this is a good uh, this is a good prospect so should people who you know the people who have worked for years and they've put something on the side how worried should they be and how worried are uh, you, uh, the question is both of you. Mark, I know you're not uh, an economist, but you, you have some knowledge and uh, you, you talk to people. So how, how untroubled is your sleep at night? Um, maybe I should let Barbara answer the principal aspect of that first, and then I'll just tell you my own particular experience. <laughs> well, thank you, Mark. Uh, the principal aspect is, you know, do, you, do your maths. If you have an interest, if you have, uh, if you have, um, uh, if you have an inflation rate of about of eight percent plus, and you uh, get zero interest to your savings account, um, so you don't have to to know much to know that you're, you know, that you're losing, and you would have to look at alternatives, um, and that's that's the problem, and you know you you must not be a fear monger, especially when you're an economist, uh, but you must warn and you must show alternatives and you must tell that we have to go back to, uh, to basics, which means in order to get out of the mess, we have to do, as I already mentioned, structural reforms. This is one thing. But the second thing is we must not lose productivity and competitiveness. If we lose productivity, not only at the labor market, you know, in general, if we lose productivity as a society, then um, we are in danger uh, in order to, to destroy our business and labor locations. And that's something where we as economists have to warn and have to put the finger on and say, gentlemen or ladies in politics, be careful and also don't mix monetary policy with fiscal policy, keep that apart. 
<laughs> I always say in Europe, Brussels and Frankfurt must not intervene with, within each other. They have to be kept separately. So that means in terms of monetary policy, I assume you mean Frankfurt in very much layman's term, don't print money in terms of fiscal policy, lower taxes and let the economy yeah. breathe by not overburdening with straight regulations. Did I get it right? That's very simply put. There are, of course, many other tools that you can do uh, from the monetary policy side and on the fiscal policy side, but that's basically put very simple. Yes. Right. So, Mark, how do you sleep at night? Calm or worried? I'm worried. <laughs> and I don't put my money in banks. I try, I try to put them in investments that will uh, outpace inflation. But I think even, even if you're investing well, 7% to 15% return on your money is massive. That's, that's, that's very good return. And you're now very hard pressed to outpace, outpace inflation. So no matter how well you think you're doing, you're probably losing money. And uh, that does keep me awake at night. If this, if this madness continues, I, I, I don't know if there's, if there's the political will in the United States to reverse it. I think uh, the, the political class is too entrenched in, in all the goodies in, the, in, our, in our, um, our, our, our particular form of democracy, uh, it's spoiled system democracy. They've, they've, it's entrenched a political class that's too, too mired in this way to reverse course. Uh, so I don't, see, I don't see the incentives to reverse and that scares me with respect to my financial future. I don't plan on retiring, but I'm technically, you know, eight years away from retirement. <laughs> and, you know, if, if $10,000 is gonna be worth $2,000 in five years, that's not, that's, not, that's not really something that you can bank on as a, as, a, as a retiree on a fixed income. So people in our periphery in the freedom movement, usually when it comes to hedging inflation, because again, most of us don't have any experience with investing. So the two obvious go-to alternatives is gold and Bitcoin. Bitcoin has been very, very pro uh, popular and prominent among libertarian circles, but also gold, uh, Peter C, for example, a very prominent voice in the freedom movement in the United States, who says that Bitcoin is basically a loss of, you throw your money out of the window, and gold is the way to go. Now, obviously we don't need to say this, this is not an investment program, but again, with your experience as an economist, Barbara, when you hear people saying, oh, I gave X amount of money now to buy gold, or I put my money in Bitcoin, What's your reaction? Do you give us a thumbs up or like? Hmm. Well, I'm, I'm a very traditional when it comes to investing. And uh, I would say, you know, gold in gold, we trust uh, there is something uh, about it. It, it has uh, proven to be a value uh, that uh, never literally lost. And uh, with Bitcoin, as much as I like the challenges that uh the that the technology puts for regulators and it's an alternative and it's fun and it's uh, all good technology interesting i would uh, also look into quantum computing and how fast this advances because the faster quantum we have our quantum computers in place um the more difficult it will become for bitcoin and company uh to continue or maybe they find a new solution we don't why, know about why, why is that technology 
Yeah, tell could us you, a bit more could, about could you that. Ex yeah, explain to us, Layman, why the quantum computers present the issue. Well, for because they are much faster and they can de decode the chains. Mm. And that's the point. Mm. I mean, I'm not saying now, but uh, if can uh, quantum computing is continuing uh, in the speed that we see, it, it might be possible in five years, maybe a little bit earlier, maybe a little bit later, but um, we should have it on our radar. That's... I'm so I, basically saying that. I just heard Bitcoin uh, drop by 10,000 just now. <laughs> um, anyway, I'm a gold guy too. I've been purchasing physical gold and, and putting it away in a, in a safe place um, because I, I'm feeling like something uh, pretty disastrous is coming to America. America has, has, has spent far more money than the EU, right? I mean, we've done something like $6 trillion dollars we 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 put out there in the world, so uh, we have pretty far to come back. So okay, that's I don't want to make this all about gold, but just so that people understand. So let's say someone has dug a hole in the ground and they have gold, and let's say the currency keeps collapsing, euro collapses, uh, the dollar collapses, and you have like some bars of gold. What do you do with them? So a common criticism to gold is that. Okay, people, you tell us that uh, gold is good for an end-of-the-world situation. Yeah, but then what are you going to do with it? Are you going to spend gold to buy bread or to buy water or to buy lentils? So what would be the usual? Or is it that you wait to weather the storm and basically you store your money in gold and you, never, you don't really touch it? So how do you envision gold being a solution? Well, I, I think there are... But with both things, you are right. Our parents after World War II have seen their, uh, um, their fortune disappear when they had to buy bread with a golden ring or, you know, or with, with the jewelry you know, that had been in, in the family forever and just to make sure that, they, that the kids survive. I mean, that is not so long ago. Um, I hope we will never be in this position and in this situation, to be honest. Uh, on the other hand, you know, it's uh, the gold is an option to, to, for, for security and safety because you can store, you can store value. And that's something that uh, makes good money as well to store the storage fulfillment. And here, Gold, if you have little coins or the, the smaller they are, the, the easier it is. On the other hand, of course, you have to carry a lot, but, but it's still something that you want to keep. So the storage effect is something that is important and that makes good money, good money. If someone has so much gold that it's a struggle for them to carry, then I'd say well, then I envy you. Go to the Donald Duck. <laughs> Talk about <laughs> Duck, actually. <laughs> So we have uh, some super chats. So many thanks to our super chatters. Thank you, Marilyn. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you. And there's a question from Ellie about silver. So many people say that obviously silver is cheaper than gold. Uh, silver is also related to things that people expect that in the future will be more in demand, like uh, things related to renewable energy. Now, in the UK, silver is also uh, subject to VATs, which makes it a bit annoying. But... Overall, uh, would you put silver in somewhere same category as gold in terms of, yeah, it makes sense to have some investment in silver in terms of putting your, storing your money 
away from uh, from inflation. If you have a, uh, a portfolio with various, um, you know, angles that you fill it, why don't, don't you go to silver too? Silver is a very precious metal and also rare. And why not? Good. Again, the state ruins everything. So as I said, in many countries, silver has VAT, which is very, very annoying because it boosts artificially the price. But hey, what can you do? Okay, so let's ask you also a question about uh, Austria and tell us also uh, so that we finish on a positive note and not talking about inflation and <laughs> losing our money. Tell us a bit about uh, what is the situation, the, what is the ideological situation in Austria? So how is the Austrian Economic Center impacting uh, the culture? Do people there uh, know about uh, Hayek as a prominent uh, uh, Austrian and... Uh, does Austria listen to Austrians, to put it this way? <laughs> well, to make a long story short, um, uh, the profit in his own country never counts. Uh, the, this is, I think, true for everybody. But I think yeah, our team has done a great job in the past uh, 15 to 20 years to promote the Austrian school and to promote uh, specifically Hayek, but also in the last year when we had the 150th anniversary of Karl Menger's uh, Principles of Economics, uh, they did a fabulous job in, in, in promoting that. And by the way, uh, Menga is, is super modern. If you look uh, at his argument that he had with Professor Knapp in 1907, when, it, when, he, when Knapp published um, uh, about um, the state the own, being the only institution issuing money and setting the prices on money. Uh, uh, Menga argued against it. And uh, so we know we, we could say that modern monetary theory is neither modern nor monetary nor theory because more than 150, 100, 120 years ago or 115 years ago, Menga was already disputing on this, on, on this topic. So the Austrian school, to be honest, is has returned to Austria thanks to the efforts and the joint efforts that we have seen. Of course, it will always be a program that is not of interest to everybody because we claim and we believe in the achievement principle in self-responsibility and in competition. And you know, especially after two years of lockdowns and being told what government uh, being told by government what to do uh, people are not very self-responsible anymore so we need to resurrect that and bring it back again but in the long run as an austrian economist i'm very positive and i believe in our message and in in, in those theories and ideas can Thank I ask, you, can I ask wait, Barbara? Can I ask a question real quick for for some of our viewers who um, who aren't familiar with Mises or Hayek? What would the ideal banking system be? <laughs> um, Mises and 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 Hayek, of course, uh, allowed. Well, everybody was arguing for private banking and for compet competition among banking and also competition currencies. <clears throat> And uh, that those that the market should determine um, also the price of interest and the amount of money that is being in circulation. But of course, a backed system. Backed by gold. Yeah. Backed by gold. So 
more uh, super chat saying thank you for dealing with current uh, pertinent issues. So thank you, Eric, for your contribution. Thank you, Marlene. Thank you, Bonnie. So uh, I will end on a positive uh, note in terms of quite often, particularly we objectives, we say what matters are principles, ideas. Then many take it to say you don't start the change by politics. But let me say one thing. I agree on principle that you don't start the change by politics. However, people like Barbara can make our life much, much better. And I appreciated this in Greece. So there is, we have a very statist government, but for the Greek standards, a relatively liberal government. Having a relatively liberal government can make the difference between you being able to return to your country or you saying, I'll never go to Greece again. I won't even send my photo, as we say there, because it's a nightmare. So having someone who has a vision to make reforms in terms of, for example, saying, okay, the state is still going to take a lot of your money, but instead of going and queuing up for three hours for every, uh, for every public service, you can do it online. Yeah, that doesn't change the world, but it does add hours to our life that would otherwise be wasted. So quite often, highly ideological people are very cynical of, oh, you can never make any difference until we change the culture. Yeah, let's change the culture. But in the meanwhile, having people who can actually change things and can and you can see this change very quickly in your life, I think it's something of value and we shouldn't lose the track of it and we shouldn't become cynical. That's why I'm also trying to persuade Mark that uh, his uh, passion for politics and his thoughts about getting engaged in politics, I think that would be great news for, for everyone. Okay. On that happy note, let me th say a big thank you to Barbara for today, but also for all the work you've been doing, and we benefit uh, we benefit from it. Actually, the free market road. So some years ago in Greece, it was perhaps the first big event in Greece where openly they said we are for free market. This was completely unthinkable. So Barbara, I'll leave the last uh, I'll leave the last word to you. Well, I thank you again, and uh, I believe in added value and in division of labor and in, in, in um, allowing those people to do what they can do best and, and put them in the forefront. And I think there is uh, room enough for many, many, many people who believe in free markets and in liberty, individual liberty and freedom. And uh, it's great that you bring them together also, Razi and, and Mark, with your networks. And we love to collaborate and invite everybody to be part of this wonderful family and uh, join our efforts to create added value and wealth for everybody. Thank you. Excellent. I'm already looking forward to free market road, so 2023. Thank you, Mark. I'm Thank you, Barbara. I'm very, gra I'm very grateful Bye. for you, Barbara. Thank you. Thank Thanks you, Mark. Bye-bye.